Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling in association with Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. I'm Graham Wilgos. Brad, day two of the Tour de France. Yes. We're into it, it and uh, straight into the mountains today, very much in Paris-Nice territory. Yeah. And we're very happy to have with us Mr. Paris-Nice himself. King Kelly. Four-time winner of the green jersey. Sean. Sean Kelly, welcome, welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Say Show. Hello, Sean. Hello. Good afternoon. Good evening. Yeah. Good evening. It's good to have you back. How are you? Well, I'm uh, I'm fine. Talking on cycling, it's uh, a lot easier than having to ride it. And we've seen the past two days in the tour have been really difficult. Haven't we just? Brad, you were saying to me it's it's Sean's 40th. It's not quite no, is it, a tour no. as a rider and commentator. No. That, um, yeah. How many? 37, I think we worked out. 37? Yes, 14 yeah. as a rider? Yes, 14 as a rider and just the rest as a commentator. And of course, uh, a commentator's job, it's a much more comfortable job than being the bike rider. Just on that, Sean, I never asked you this, but what was your hardest Tour de France? Well, probably my first one would have been the hardest. You know, I was thrown in at a very early part of my career. Um, it was my second year pro. Hadn't really seen the big mountains, you know, coming from Ireland, you know, with hills over there. But I didn't ride these races like, you know, where the guys, they have the Tour of Lavenir and they have all these other build-up races in the big mountain ranges. So, yeah, the the Alps and the Pyrenees were a major shock to me, the length and the, the severity of the climbs. Mm. What year is this? 78. I wasn't even born. Neither was I. No. No. That's the context to it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's personal context for sure. Details. Sean, is this harder than any tour you've ridden so far in terms of the start to a Tour de France the past couple of days? So stage two straight into the mountains today and yesterday for the sheer severity of the weather. Sean, is this the hardest tour that you've seen as a, as a rider and a commentator? I think so. Um, the hardest start to a tour, sorry, I should say. Yes, well, I think yesterday's uh, yesterday's weather conditions, that made it really difficult for everybody because, you know, the nervousness was out there, the difficulty, you know, trying to get uh, down the descents, all them crashes, it was, you know, hyper-nervous all day. Um, I think uh, that's made it, um, made it very difficult. And, of course, when you're out there in the wet conditions as well, you know, it wasn't cold yesterday, but still a lot of riders, they have, the, you know, the sore legs when they get to the end of the stage. Uh, from being out there um, during the uh, during the rain, and uh, you know, then we had today's stage, which was you know a very difficult one, and you know, related to Paris Nice, I think we can't really compare to you know this the stage we've had, uh, stage two today in the Tour of France to Paris Nice because we have had nothing like that the distance of the climbs they've had today. The um, do you remember the start in Ireland? That was a pretty tough couple of days, wasn't it? Well, I don't think we can compare. It was it was pretty tough, yeah. but you know there was not it was nothing like we've had um, in the past two days, and especially on today's stage two of the tour. Yeah. Well, that's 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 that one put to bed. Uh, One hundred eighty-six kilometers today, starting and finishing in Nice, uh, taking in the Category One climbs of the Colmayan, the Col de Chirini, and uh, the Col d'Ez, or the Col d'Ez. Sorry, I should say. The breakaway was reeled in with thirty-eight kilometers to go. 
it was Julian Alaphilippe, um, all action, who kicked things off with 13 kilometres to go on the final climb. Mark Hershey, the young somewhere rider, went with him. Uh, he was 22 last week, just for a little more context uh, on, on ages, Brad. Um, Adam Yates decided it was time to join them with 11 kilometres to go. He took the bonus seconds at the top of the final climb, just pipping Alaphilippe. It then came down to a cat and mouse sprint between the three of them at the finish. Here's how Carlton Kirby called it for us on Eurosport. At the Flam Rouge, is he going to kick? Not just yet. It's a strange game they're playing because the pack are coming through as well and Alaphilippe still holds it. Hershey's there, uh, former under-23 uh, world champion, still just 22 years of age. Adam Yates has a look. They're all getting nervous right now. It's uh, looking back rather than forward for the time being. And Alaphilippe almost scratches his head, like wondering which of the volumes to pick. It's going to be a big, uh, a big prize right now ahead, much bigger than that. Tightens his shoes. Here he goes. Alaphilippe is waiting. He's stalking, but Hershey's there to spoil the party for the two bigger names in front of him. The motorcycles are still clearing the course right now. And uh, Adam Yates almost allows himself a chuckle. This is fantastic. Well, who's going to be laughing at the end of this one? 400 metres to go. They're all still checking on the pack behind. And it may well be that one of them gets tagged. Here they are. That's uh, uh, that's uh, Luis Leon Sanchez that's leading them in at the moment, just behind. Are they going to? pick it up and go and when's that button going to get pressed 300 meters to go they could get wound in and play a silly game if they're not careful here still they're playing with fire they've only got a handful of seconds somebody's got to go and just be brave and it's Alaphilippe he comes out from the back wheel of, of uh, Adam Yates right now and it's Hershey who's going to be there Adam Yates starts to fail and into yellow is going to go Alaphilippe he's going to do it again is he Hershey's coming back at him right now on the line Alaphilippe has done it. A man who said he was going to go for stages. Well, he's into yellow and he might just go all the way. So, to Kerning Quick Steps, Julian Alaphilippe is the new Mayo Jean, bursting away from Mark Hershey and Adam Yates to take the win and with it his fifth stage at the tour. Brad, there was only going to be one winner today. Well, not necessarily, actually. Um, Hershey's quick. Um, it was certainly going to be between those two, but Alaphilippe got the jump on him. Um, that's probably what won it. Won him it. He just got that. He gained that extra meter on him when he got that jump, and Hershey just closed him down, but couldn't get there in time. But you know, it was it was a difficult one for Adam because Adam was looking like he could take yellow, but he had to finish second. Um, and he was probably he even said in his post race interview that he couldn't. He knew he wasn't faster than those two, so he was kind of caught in no man's land. If he'd have ridden to get time, he still wouldn't have took yellow. Um, and then there was, they nearly got caught at the finish as well, didn't they? Because of the cat and mouse and, and a rabbit, because there's three of them. Um, but he, um, when he went on the climb, he went across to Alaphilippe and that. He may have been hoping that a few more would come across. But they probably profited as well from the fact that Tom Dumoulin crashed just at that moment and Yumbo stopped riding. So they, they got a bit more of a gap. Do you, you think that, sort of, Sean, they might have even got caught had Tom Dumoulin not crashed? Well, I think that's uh, definitely the case because when Tom Dumoulin did crash, crash you know, Yumbo Visma, they knocked off the effort for a, for a while. And that was around the time that Yates um, uh, put his in attack. But we have to you know, give Yates credit um, because he... He's looking good, isn't he? He came across very, yeah. very comfortably. You know, he just uh, came across so quickly. And yeah, it was always a question of when they went to the final, were they going to play cat and mouse? I was surprised that yeah, Yates, that he, you know, he rolled to the front very close to the finish. I thought he might play around a bit, but I think he was in a situation, okay, these guys, you know, it's going to be difficult for me to uh, do anything against them in the sprint. So I think he was thinking then from that, from that moment, I, I'm just going to ride on here and think about the GC further down in this race. And 
there is opportunities for him in the, in the next days when we come to the you know more mountainous uh, stage finishes. He you know he's up there in a good position now. Uh, he's ahead of some of the other guys in the uh, challenge for the general classification. So yeah, I think he got the best as he could out of the day uh, at the end when he looked at the uh, situation of the final run into the finishing Nice. With his performance last year, Brad, and his, his wonderful run in yellow, a lot is expected of Alaphilippe now, particularly at the Tour. He delivered today almost despite everyone expecting him to do what he did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ivan was critical of him, or not critical of him, but questioned whether he was in the form he was a few years weeks ago in Strada. But Dan and Brian on, on the on the post-show said that um, they don't think he's as hot as he was last year coming into this Tour. And... I disagree on that performance. I think, you know, he's, it was, I mean, he had the confidence to take it up. He had the confidence to attack quite fairly low down on the slopes of the Coldez. Um, and, you know, you saw what it meant to him at the finish as well. He was super emotional. Um, it was around this time last year, I think my stage three or four was it, when he took the yellow and none of us thought he'd hold it to, till still have it two weeks later. Um, I, I wouldn't underestimate him or put anything past him, I tell you. But, um, you know, he's a great rider and, it's his first win since the Tour de France last year as well. Since the yeah. time trial, yeah. yeah. So I mean, he 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 was emotional at the end because he he well partly because he dedicated the the win to his his late father too. Right. Um, but it, he's enormously popular uh, yeah. am, among the fans. It's good to see a French rider in yellow this early in the race. Is that fair to say? Um, yeah. I mean, it's always good for the race, isn't it? Particularly after the year we've had. I mean. Um, it certainly does the race no harm, that's for sure. But I'd have loved, I personally would have loved to see Adam in yellow, but um, he's clearly got the form, hasn't he? He does. Sean, do we expect to see, you, you said uh, there, will, there might well be opportunities for Adam Yates later in the race. Uh, do we expect to see him take it in the, in the next week, in the next two weeks? Can we, can we see him take yellow? Well, I think it's in the next week and there's, you know, days, difficult days to come in the in the next week. Some of the you know, uh, mountaintop, hilltop finishes. Uh, so he's in he's in a real good position. But again, you know, he's going to be up against the um, the real challengers for the overall. Um, it's a question, how good is he? And um, he did talk about, uh, you know, going for stage victories in this um, in this tour. But again, he is the royal that he's got the talent. He's got the ability to uh or to uh, f- finish on these mountaintop finishes with the best guys uh, if he's in that sort of shape. And I think he's going to be thinking now, well, I'll see how this race goes in the next number of days, the next week, 10 days, and uh, see, can I get into the yellow jersey for a period? Is there some talk that this race could end on stage 10? There's there's talk that if it ends on stage 10, then then you could rightly declare a winner. Oh, OK, yeah, yeah. That's what all was saying after the race today. But, um, you know, there's a bit of uncertainty then, isn't there, really? Because... You know, if you have the jersey in stage 10, and it wouldn't be a great way to win the Tour, but it is what it is this year, isn't it? And uh, I keep saying it is what it is. Someone said to me, stop saying that, so I will. Well, you can say it one more time. It's your no, show. I'm you say what really. you like. It's, it's the position we're in. You're almost in a, a point where the peloton is racing every stage as if it's Well, the last I don't, I don't stage think they, they are. You've got to race as if it's three weeks. But um, for guys like Simon, Adam Yates and that, they're, they're um, you know, today was clearly about getting up the road, you know, I think if he was, he, he was looking at the GC, but he's also an attacking rider like his brother and takes his chances. But I wonder, I, I sort of wonder whether he thought, you know, if Alaphilippe goes up the road, you know, the way he's been riding the last few years, you react as well now because, you know, look what happened last year. And, um, you know, I'm amazed no one else went with him. Today, the biggest thing I noticed today was the statement of intent from Yumbo. They looked an intimidating force getting up there. All their riders you know, real seriousness about them. And 
in that way, it's a real change of the guard from what was the Skytrain or was Ineos. And that's almost completely disappeared now, that Skytrain. And there was four riders there still at the top um, with Bernal. But Bernal isn't that sort of intimidating figure, is he? He's very quiet and nice and um, takes nothing away from his ability. But Jumbo looked a dominant force. They looked like a team that they thought they could really win the Tour this year. Um, and I think that's what's going to pay dividends in a couple of weeks' time. Sean, would you agree with that? Yes, yeah. well, I think uh, Ineos are learning, uh, you know, not to take control of the race too early. And if there's another team uh, prepared to do it, as Jumbo Visma are doing in the stage today, well, then let them do it. And we did see Ineos, Kwiatkowski was riding at the front on, on, yeah. on, on occasions. And, you know, he was just contributing a bit, but then Jumbo were taking over. And if you have a team want to do that, let them do it. And that's, that's the way you have to ride the race. And I think... Uh, you know, all the talk going on over the last number of weeks, the last number of months, that Jumbo Visma, the team, is going to challenge Inya. So, um, you know, I feel that they're uh, tactically with the Inya, they're riding quite well. But I, I feel today, you know, Inyus, Jumbo Visma, they were, you know, very much in a position, if they wanted to close that down today, they could have done it. But it looked like they were just riding tempo on the climb. And with Alaphilippe out front, I, I feel that they, you know, they were happy enough to uh, to leave the situation and just to take the pressure off, leave somebody take the jersey and um, to control the race. And Ducone Quistep will do that now. They will control the race the next number of days, you know, without any doubt. Uh, Sean, you know, on because um, you're the Mr. Green jersey, aren't you? It's a different competition to when you won it now, isn't it? It's, it's changed quite a bit, isn't it? The intermediate sprints and stuff. Um, and Peter Sagan's made that his own over the last few years. He didn't, even though he got in the break, he still did, he didn't look his usual self today. And I noticed particularly in the intermediate sprint where he couldn't even come off the wheel of Trentin, drag raced him for a bit. Did you, I mean, do you think, and obviously he's not in the form he has been in the past, but that level is always difficult to maintain. But for the first time in seven years, I actually think he could probably be beaten in this competition. Yes, well, I think uh, Sagan, we've seen him in the uh, the past number of weeks, the short time we've had, um, you know, he is um, not at his best and not as good as he was a number of years ago. But I don't I don't have any worries that he not come good. And he was going for the Giro, of course, as well. Mm. And, you know, then he changed about because of all of the cor- uh, the coronavirus problems and, the, you know, the calendar being changed. So he's probably a little bit off his, uh, off his best. But, you know, to come into a tour, get into that breakaway today and the way he was riding on the climbs, I feel he's in a real good position. And, you know, he's a guy who will get better as the race go on um, so yeah the green jersey it would be nice to see somebody challenging because I feel there's some years in the past he's won it uh, too, e- too easy and you know with, with a week 10 days to go on the tour it was over the green jersey and I was hoping Wout van Aert might be a one who would uh, have a go for it um, yesterday he was around in the sprint a bit but then he backed off he said it was a bit too dangerous um, will he be allowed, you know, to have a go in the next number of days, or will he be on team duty? That is the question. But other than that, yeah, maybe Trentin could give it a run. But um, you know, it doesn't look that there's going to be uh, a lot of challenges there. I think Wout van Aert for me would have been the best one if he was riding his riding his race, his own race for himself. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think I don't. Think, there's no question that Sagan will come good because he's a class act. But is it a, state, a case then that the green jersey winner isn't always the fastest sprinter now? Well, I think that's because that's I don't think he's the fastest anyone in those sprints at the moment, is he? Well, I think that's been the case for a number of years. You know, yeah. the uh, the fastest sprinter is not the the way the points are allotted in these that's, stages. Yeah, yeah. I think it's you know it's something that and that's where I think someone like Trent could challenge him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
We saw Sam Bennett sweeping up what was left of the the points at the intermediate sprint today. After now, I think he is the fastest man in the race, personally in a straight line. What do you think, Sean? Well, I think uh, Bennett is definitely. If you can deliver Sam Bennett in the final 180 meters at a high speed, and uh, you know he takes. He, t- yeah. he starts to sprint equal with the other guys. He is one of the yeah. fastest. But Cal- Calabun is also, I think, when he is on his uh, when he when he's on his terrain, he's also you know uh, quite a fast one. And it will be interesting to see when we get some of these stages between the two of them. I think they are the two fastest men uh, in the tour at the moment. There, there will be opportunities for the fast men as well. So you know, arguably, we could see stages five, seven, ten, eleven maybe 19 before the Champs-Élysées, where, where it could end in a bunch yeah. of sprint. Sean, make the calculation for us. Who's going to end up in green? Sagan. Brad? Well, I like Sagan. I love him to bits. But if anyone's going to challenge him, I think probably Trentin or someone could actually. But, yeah. um, you know, you were just saying that actually about the, the stages that could end up in sprint finish. Obviously, I spoke to Mark Cavendish last week and his concern was getting to the sprint stages, you know. is is you know, the tough start we've had, it's... Um, that played a part in... It's okay having sprint stages, but you've got to get there first and get through these stages. I mean, we saw uh, Dekalob got eliminated yesterday. I know he probably had some issues with crashes and things, but it's tough. You know, and Caleb Ewan was going out the back quite early on this morning, wasn't he? On the Yes, well, I think uh, that was a concern, certainly, with this very difficult start. But now we're through it. Uh, yesterday was a majorly difficult day for everybody. Today, the way the break got away, you know, early, it wasn't an easy uh, break getting away they had to fight quite a bit but it did get away in the earlier kilometres it could have went on there for you know 40, 50, 60 kilometres and it could have went on to the climb and up the climb and if that did happen well then it would have made, it would have been a real difficult one for the sprinters but I think you know they got a relatively easy day today so now they're I think uh, on the road and they're in the uh, they're in a position where they can look forward and look at the stages to come. And in the earlier part of this race, in the you know the first eight or nine days, there's quite a lot of opportunities for the sprinters. On the climbs today, briefly, the Col Des is a climb, Brad, you know well, I mean, you both know well, because it's, it's, it's so often used as the, the TT climb in Paris-Nice. Brad, you set the record. Yeah. Uh, on, uh, I think that'd on be the Sean's record, actually. You did, by 33 seconds. But, but sure. I, think that, I think we may have started... Closer to the corner or something. Yeah, and, and it, it was shorter when bred by Look, about 25 metres. If we'd have raced in the same <laughs> era, the king would have beat me. So Sean's record was 19 minutes, 45 seconds from, from 87. Yeah. And Brad... Yeah, but, uh, yeah. but you'd have hoped that marginal gains would have something to do with that. Yeah, so, <laughs> in, but, in 25 years, yeah. yeah. The, uh, just on today as well, the, the one I was surprised about, the finish that lost time, because we haven't seen him for a few years, is Aru lost two minutes today. Um, I don't know what his plans were going into it in terms of GC and stuff, but... I. You know, since that Vuelta win, he's, I know he's had a few injuries and things, but, you know, early in the race to lose two minutes, so I, th- I thought that was, uh, yeah. Well, going back to the uh, cold days. Oh, yeah, let's go back to the cold days. Back to the cold days. <laughs> and uh, the time trial, of course, um, you know, um, when you look at the uh, the time between, or the time I was in there when Brad came along, uh, we're just talking about that today, the bikes. Uh, you know, I had I had the material. I was with a guy, De Gabaldi, who was very much into the lightweight and the bikes. And you know, I was riding vicious at that time. But I was weighing my bike, which I still have from you know some of the, my years against the bikes of today. And there's not much of a difference in the weight. A lot of people say, "Oh, you had a huge, heavy bike," but it wasn't the case. It wasn't that far off at the time. I know the bikes now have improved aerodynamic and all of that. It's it's totally different. But you know, from that part of it, the bike difference wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a big uh, a big difference compared, you know, com- considering there's a big number of years in the, uh, between my time and when Bradley did it. The time of those seven wins, did, did, 
did you win every time trial called this in those seven or no I was no. beaten on by Roach Roach managed to beat me a number of times but I still Steven. have five five wins on called days to Roach's four right well, there you go there we go it's our fact of the day yes it's good to have one we uh, got one Stephen and on that fact we'll be back with more from the Bradley Wiggins show after this Lacquer's collective cover is made especially for cyclists for life on and off your bike Lacquer has flipped outdated traditional insurance on its head with no more fixed upfront premiums. Instead, your monthly contributions are based on the collective's claims that month. Your max monthly price is capped, but the savings are all yours. Plus, 80% of your money goes straight back into the collective, fixing, replacing and helping. And the other 20% keeps their wheels spinning. It's as simple as that. And when things go bad, Lacquer's got your back. Claims are handled by experts and usually agreed within a day, with no depreciation or excess. They've ditched annual contracts locking you in. With Lacquer, if you want to leave, you can, anytime. Head over to www.lacquer.co, where new customers can get £10 credit by signing up today with the discount code WIGGINS. Welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show, sponsored by Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. Uh, Sean, Brad, some more news um, from the last 24 hours. David Lepartient, the president of the UCI, has tweeted today to say that the World Championships will continue. Um, the So the race, having been cancelled, um, supposed to be held in Switzerland after the tour, remember, um, but because of government-enforced restrictions on public gatherings, that's not now possible. So it looks like, um, and Lepartient says he will reveal more on the 2nd of September, it looks like the French Cycling Federation have He always confirmed... pops up on the tour, doesn't he, David? It, yeah, it's like David well, it's, Alert. It's, David's in town. It's his time. He always um, gives give a little bit, then he goes... I will revel in all, but not now. It's you know, uh, a bit back. Yeah, he's a bit of a showman, isn't he? He is. Um, so the French Cycling Federation have confirmed what they're calling a recovery project with yeah. a possible. So he's on the same course, is it? Is that kind well, of? There was some talk about Liège Bastogne Liège, so, and so we're, t- we're talking the, the Vosges Mountains and the Planche de Belfi. The route could well take in the Planche yeah. de Belfi. I mean, what a world championship that will be! Well, are we going to? Oh, is it the time trial events? Is that still on as well? Yeah. So yeah. so the the infrastructure is there. Is the thinking. Mm. Uh, I mean, this is a good move, isn't it? Important that hey, the World Championships are not. But just on yesterday's pod, the infrastructure is there. So why not put the women's to it? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it just shows you, doesn't it? Yeah. How um, disproportionate it is. So it's, it's, a, it's a change of attitude rather than... Well, there a... yeah, you go. The, the infrastructure's there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it just shows you that, yeah. Well, it's good to see that we're going to have a World Championships because oh. it was looking unlikely there for a little while. And uh, yeah, but Is yeah. that not really a World Championship course, Sean? Plants de Belfi. Well, I think for some riders it's going to well, be. Well, of course it is, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, you know some of the French riders, uh, Thibaut Pinot would be a yeah. one who would like that sort of uh, uh, a route or a circuit. And it wasn't it wasn't going to be an easy one when it was in Eagle, you know, close to the UCI headquarters. It was a very difficult one. So uh, you know, it's not it's not a big change if we're going to have it uh, on uh, Planche de Belfi, and uh, it would be nice to see you there. And I think uh, there'd be a lot of riders happy, but. Um, it's not that we're going from a situation where it was a one really for the punchers or the sprinters. It was always going to be a difficult World Championship this year, so not big changes being it, having it in Planche de Belfi. Is it the week after the tour? It was supposed to be, yeah. So, so, so it's to be, to be confirmed, but it's it's got to be in that two-week window yeah. between the tour yeah, and the Yeah, which is, really. is like the old days, isn't it, Sean, when the world was just after the tour, wasn't it? It used to be in August, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. 
I think it's a good thing that um, they're well, having it suits a, a the tour week, riders, doesn't it? A week after the tour, the riders, yeah. you know, a week rest, it's the perfect one. If you come out of the tour in good shape, uh, you know, riders that um, finish the tour well, well, then it's a perfect opportunity. Mm. But of course, you have to be you have to be a climber. If we're talking about Clavance yeah, de Belfi, it's yeah. going to be a major difficult yeah. one. Yeah. Okay, we can't let Le Partien have all of the limelight. Let's, Let's shift not. the focus to tomorrow's stage, a hilly parkour, nearly 200 kilometres tomorrow from Nice to Sisteron. It looks like one for the sprinters tomorrow, Brad. Yeah, slightly uphill sprint finish as well. Mm. Um, and I predicted Trintan to win, but um, hey, I mean, it's just great to... Uh, I love the sprint stages because, you know, everyone loves a little tussle and, and watching them guys go head-to-head. -head. But um, yeah, Christophe... Uh, Sagan obviously will be there for sure, but Sam Bennett, um, it'll be you know be good to see Sam Bennett get up there and, and have a have a straight run at it. Um, but the world champion Pedersen, I mean, he was quick the other day, wasn't he? Um, Coming in second, yeah. Discount him, stage one. Sure, and everyone was saying sort of before the tour that there was nothing for the sprinters, but it, it's the the more we get into it, the more it feels like there is there's actually plenty for them if you're a fast man. Yes, well, there's a lot of days there. If you look, if you look through the route book closely, and you know you can be sure that the teams and the uh, uh, the sprinters have been looking at that, and there is quite a number of days there in the early part of the race as well, because I think if you go down to about eight or eight eight or nine stage, there's quite a number of days for the sprinters, and tomorrow, uh, you know, should be a day. Uh, it is a difficult one. And it all depends on what way they race and what way the you know the race pans out in the earlier part. If a break gets away early tomorrow, three four riders, then it will be easy to control. But if the break have difficulty and the you know the fight goes on to get into the breakaway, then we're having you know we have difficult terrain and that could put a lot of the sprinters in difficulty. So it's as they say, it's the riders who make the race, and uh, you know that could be a, a a difficult one for the riders to get through tomorrow if the break is not allowed to get away in the first uh, 10, 15 kilometers. Brad, well into it now. Stage three tomorrow. Looking forward to. We say well into over. it. It's always when you're a rider. Actually, the first weekend, it's like when you get to the Sunday night. We when we say to each other three weeks tonight we'll be finished, um, so it's always like a, it's longer than three weeks, isn't it? Almost, I guess so. It's well, uh, it is. It's, well, it's, yeah. So it's uh, three weeks tonight. We'll be finished in Paris, hopefully, if everything if it goes straight. Sean, does that ring true to you? Yes. Well, as Brad say, it's uh, always nice to get the first two days over because it's uh, it's just hectic times. You know, you're there three days before the race, maybe now a bit more, the riders have been down there. Um, so, you know, there's all that build-up and you have to go to the team presentation, you have to do the medical, all of that, and that is just a pain in the butt. You know, the, the riders, the arse. The riders <laughs> they just do not like that. And, you know, the team presentations, all of that stuff, you just want to get that out of the way. Then you look to the first two, the two days of racing, the Saturday and Sunday, and, you know, that's hyper nervous racing everybody is just you know the light turbines after being left out on the paddock after being locked up for a number of weeks you, you like to get it over with the first two days and then things start to calm down a bit and you know you're into you're into the race and you enjoy it a bit more is that dialed up to 11 this year because of the conditions that we've seen yesterday and because there'll be uh, that extra nervousness in the peloton it being so, you know, such a short rebooted season i don't know really i think um it still feels like the tour de france doesn't it watching it um, I spoke to Adam Blythe this morning. He said it doesn't feel any different. There's less um, TV trucks and things there, but other than the masks and the bit, sort of the way the interviews are conducted and stuff over barriers and that, it, it has the same feel when it's out on the road, doesn't it? And I haven't really paid attention to the spectators and stuff, but the finishes looked quite busy today. And um, I was thinking that, and you almost forget it's August and September coming up. You know, mm. it does feel like because it 
synonymous with July, isn't it? And then even in referencing, I keep saying this time last year he was in the same form, but we actually forget sometimes that we're two months on. I mean, but so time's just a concept. Mind. We made it up to exist. <laughs> Good. Well, chaps, thank you both for your company. Thank you. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport. Thank you to our sponsor, Lacquer Bicycle Insurance. Thank you, Brad. Yeah, thank you, Sean. It's always a, it's always a pleasure to have the king on. Thank you very much. The king Absolutely of Ireland. Absolutely right. Um, king of Carrick. Sir Wigo, if uh, for anyone who wants to follow Brad yeah, on or social... Or the Daily Mail. Or, well, <laughs> pop up occasionally, it's fair to say. And cycling news. Um, Sean, thank you for joining us. You can follow Eurosport on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK. Plus, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you, too, to our producer, Pete Burton, Podcast Pete. Pete. And finally, from me, Graham Wilgos, it's goodbye. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, share your thoughts and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Brad, looking forward to more of the same tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, we've got three weeks of this now, haven't we? And um, it's just great being able to watch it every day and talk about it. Good. Well, we'll see you then. Well, we certainly will. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.